0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: The pitch, a swing and a drive, deep left field.
2: Welcome to the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron.
1: That ball's hit hard and deep to left field. Backing to the track, to the wall, and it's gone! It's a grand slam! Paulie, Mike Claiborne, and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. and right, picks out the sign. The pitch is swung on a miss. Throw to second base. Strike him out. Ground out. Double play. On the Cardinals Radio Network.
3: It is that time again. We come your way from Jupiter, Florida. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals Radio Network, alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauly Claves
4: we got uh, spring training games coming up in just a couple days. Spring training is officially here. We have our first game Saturday. Uh, of course, Ricky and John will have the call, and I'm looking forward to it because I think I've seen all the catch I can take, man. I mean, we've watched some bullpens and some BPs. I just want to see some guys in different uniforms yeah. more than anything else. Has anything jumped out to you over the first two weeks of camp? Uh, not really, because if you've been around Oliver Marmol and just if you've been in the Cardinal camp, you know one thing right off the bat. There's no horsing around. There's a mission to everything they do. Uh, It's a very well-organized camp, and all they want you to do is come in and get your work in. Um, The guys do stick around and talk. I think what I'm seeing more are the veterans working with the younger players a little bit more. Paul Goldschmidt is holding hitting clinics with the Nolan Gormans of the world and and Lars Newbar and people like that, just making sure they're trying to give something back So I think that's something a little different than what we've seen in the past. Not that it didn't take place before now, but it just seems like it's more common.
3: I follow a lot of reporters who cover other Major League Baseball teams on social media, and when they had their first full squad workout day, guys were showing up to camp in other organizations on first full squad workout day. That didn't happen here.
4: No, everybody was here. Uh, We've talked about it for the last couple, three weeks, how many people have been here. I think the only guys who showed up right before were were minor league guys, uh, non-roster invitees more than anything else. So uh, I thought that the commitment that we've seen from day one with this team is, I think, going to be indicative of how they're going to be for the rest of the season. One of the more interesting revelations we got out of Oliver
3: Marmel earlier in the week was that Tyler oneill has been working in center field. Now, we thought that was connected to the WBC because he's going to play center field for Team Canada, but Marmel indicated that, O'Neill's in the mix to play center field with the Cardinals and that just adds another layer to the competition going on in the outfield
4: well I think it really says a lot to the versatility the Cardinals want to have I mean they're going to be games where maybe they're looking for a matchup and they might want to get another bat in the lineup and knowing that you have three guys that can play center field really gives you some flexibility that a lot of teams don't have I mean think about there's some teams that they're lucky if they have one center fielder we have three capable center fielders uh, two of which one has a gold glove in the left I think Dylan Carlson can win a gold glove and I think Lars Newbar would have that same opportunity, now that's down the road a little bit but they don't get—they don't hurt you playing center field, none of those guys hurt you This is me saying this, this isn't Oliver Marmel
3: saying this, but when I heard the Tyler O'Neill news, my first thought went to Jordan Walker, because if Walker jumps over one of these guys and is a starting outfielder, all of a sudden you might want to have somebody else in center field.
4: Oh, I agree, um we're not putting Jordan Walker in the center field competition, but let's say he comes down here and lights it up and you want to keep O'Neill's bat in there. And and maybe there's a lefty that you want to have on the, on the field. And maybe you sit new bar and put Carlson in right field. So he plays, he swings in the right side, which is where he's been more effective. I mean, it gives you so many multiple options to, to be able to keep certain bats in the lineup. And, you know, I'm anxious to see what Jordan Walker does under live fire, Uh, I don't think they're going to wait a long time to see what he looks like. And if he gets off on the right foot, Matt, then we're going to have another discussion in about another four weeks.
3: You had a conversation with John Moselock that ran on our flagship station, KMOX, on Sunday morning, and you talked a bit about the situation with the pitchers. There's a lot of guys here, whether they're on the 40-man roster, whether they're on the minor league deals with an invite to to major league spring training it really feels like there's a lot more guys than roster spots available, especially when it comes to pitchers.
4: Well, there is. I mean, when you look back at last year, you had 14 guys make a start. Twelve of them are still here. Now, some of them have been relegated to the bullpen, but with that said, it gives you real versatility from the left side and the right side. And I think that what you're going to look at, because I think I've already kind of got my bullpen squared away, and, and I'm a guy who really doesn't put rosters together until like the second week But I've kind of got my bullpen put together, and now I'm trying to figure out there's one guy that I think that they've got to figure out what they're going to do with. And once they figure that out, it might mean somebody else doesn't get as many starts in the first half of the season, uh, because I think they want to try and keep people fresh and keep them versatile with regard to who they're going to face. So I I think that's going to create a a real challenge for the manager pitching, pitching coaches on who they play and when they play. Um, so I would just say to that, stay tuned, because there are going to be some good pitchers that won't be on this roster. And if you have options, you might want to try and make sure you get a good Airbnb in Memphis because you might start the season there. All right, so let's bring this all
3: together because Jordan Walker's not going to make this team as a fifth outfielder. If he's a fifth outfielder, he's going to be playing every day in Memphis. Right. Uh, from a pitching standpoint, there are guys who are prospects. There's the, there's the Thompsons and the Libertors of the world who, if they're not on the big league roster, they're going to be starters in Memphis. But if they're on the big league roster, they're going to be working out of the bullpen. So from a position player standpoint, you don't want a walker sitting. But from a pitching standpoint, are you comfortable with some of these young prospect pitchers who probably are starters in the future making it to the big league club, knowing that they're going to be in a different role out of the bullpen?
4: You know, that's a good question. Um, I would rather see him go somewhere and pitch. Uh, I think sitting around doesn't help them in this situation. So you're going to have some guys, and I think Libertor is a guy that they've got to make a decision on. Is he what we think he is, or is he a guy that can really help you? I mean, he, he was up and down last year. I didn't really think he caught a stride. This is a pivotal year for him on where he ends up. I don't think he's a bullpen guy. I think he's got to be a starter somewhere. And where he starts at, probably Memphis, unless he comes out here and is just really dealing and somebody gets hurt. And, and you've got a couple of other guys like that. So it, it's going to be really challenging for them to figure this out. And you don't want to see anybody get hurt. But somebody's going to have an ouchie or a tweak or something along that line. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of guys on the DL or the injured list when we break camp just to give themselves some flexibility. And that's where Dakota
3: Hudson probably plays in because he's the sixth starter right now. If they break camp and all five starters are healthy and ready to go, I don't know what they do with Dakota Hudson, but how often does that actually happen where all five starters on your opening day roster?
4: Very seldom, very seldom. And he's that X-factor guy. You're right. And this is a guy with legitimate big league experience that you don't have a spot for. So let me roll this out at you. This is Adam Wainwright's Wayne last year. I would rather have Wainwright pitching more in the second portion of the season than the first portion. So maybe he gets seven, eight starts between now and July. And that way Hudson can fill that void somewhere along the way. And you got to be creative. Maybe you don't have to take Wainwright on the road in some places where he's been hit hard. Maybe you keep him here for the home games, which he's been more effective at. But how you work all that, it's above my pay grade. If I was
3: running a baseball organization and I'm not because I'm talking to you on the radio right now I would go to a six-day rotation not a six-man rotation a six-day rotation where you use that
4: sixth guy in the
3: days the six-day periods where you don't have an off day
4: I agree I I think you're spot on with that and I wouldn't be surprised to see them tinker with that because they have the bullets they have the bullets for they just need to make sure they have enough chambers to place them in and I, I really feel like they need to be creative um for a couple of reasons. Your, your point is very valid, but I think just rest your staff and make sure your staff. Now, some guys will push back because they're used to a routine going every fifth day. But I think when it, when it all comes down to do you want your guys fresher and more effective as we get deeper into the season? Because I don't think it's going to be that incumbent upon them to be able to go seven or eight innings in the month of April. I think by May, you want to stretch them out a little bit more. But once we hit June 14th, Flag Day, the official day of baseball season, that's when you want to see a legitimate increase in innings pitched and and making sure these guys can kind of work their way into a long
3: fall season. I believe that is our first of 2023 Mike Claiborne reference to Flag Day.
4: You are correct. The first one. It won't be the last, I can promise
3: That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Foley. We come your way from Jupiter, Florida. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
5: I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey
6: another day
7: is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals
3: Countdown to opening day, continuing on here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Theme tickets are on sale now and feature returning favorites like Star Wars, Grateful Dead, Friends Night and more. New for 2023. Don't miss Harry Potter, Yellowstone, and Emo Night. For all the details and a full list of dates, head to Cardinals.com slash theme. Earlier this week, Ken Rosenthal from Fox Sports and also The Athletic was in Jupiter as he was taking a look at the Cardinals. I got the chance to uh, sit down and uh, talk with him. The first thing I asked him is whether or not he makes it to every single spring training camp during the spring. I
0: don't. I get to a lot of camps, and it's basically one a day. And some of the teams that don't try very hard, don't spend money, do not get my visits. (laughs) And that's just a relevance thing and some of those teams people don't want to read about so I try to hit all obviously the big teams this year's a little bit different because of the World Baseball Classic and I'll be out in Phoenix for that but basically it's one camp a day when you come
3: into St. Louis as you were or, you know for St. Louis' camp when you were getting here today what, what are the storylines
0: what are the things that you're most interested in with this club well a number of things obviously with them they're, they're such an interesting team always Contreras arriving is a big thing uh Goldschmidt and Arnauto, can they do it again? They are getting older. They're still great players. The pitching, what that rotation's going to be like. The bullpen. I mean, it's all, it's, it's the usual. It's, there's nothing special that stands out. They do have some new coaches too, which is interesting. But I don't know that the Cardinals are a team you're looking at and saying, wow, there's a lot different here. It's It's the Cardinals. And as opposed to, say, the Mets, right? The Mets have all these guys coming in and They spent all this money. It's a little bit different here, a little bit more settled. You mentioned Wilson Contreras. It's kind of
3: interesting from our perspective. It seems like he's just walking in and fitting right in. And considering where he'd been and kind of the reputation he had, you didn't think that would happen. But here he is. It's almost like he's
0: the perfect guy for the Cardinals. Do you agree with that? Well, I don't know. What reputation you're referring to, he's never been perceived as a bad guy. He's always been perceived as a good guy. Yeah, and just to
3: clarify, just the way he plays, obviously, he, he says he
0: doesn't play to be liked by the other team. Right, and Cardinals fans know that. Yeah. They, they caught that act, but he's a really good player, and obviously he's trying really hard to fit in. And It's on the player, too. You, it's not just on the team to absorb him. I mean, he has to make an effort, and it seems for me, from everything I've heard, he's making that effort. So... He's going to be a big addition, I'm sure. And he's replacing, of course, one of the all-time greats defensively. And that's going to be a challenge. But I imagine he wouldn't have signed here if he wasn't up for that challenge. Do the Cardinals do enough this offseason? I know a lot of fans are asking that question. It's always a fair question. I would have liked to see one more bat. But they roll a certain way. And it's always an interesting debate. Should they do more? and kind of go for it, go more all-in, or do they like this model where they sustain success, they're successful nearly every year, but they never reach that great peak that you want to see. Now, if you get to the playoffs enough times, maybe you're going to get the World Series. You should. But I understand where the fans are, and I understand how the front office thinks. The front office is basically saying, hey, man, we're good every year. What do you want? We're in the playoffs. But at the same time... Sometimes an extra push might be required, especially now with more teams spending more money, and it's a little bit different. And I saw Mo said this, I believe, at the winter event that the Cardinals had. The paradigm shifted a little bit, and they might have to adjust their thinking. Because they got Contreras as a free
3: agent, the prospects that they would have considered to get a Sean Murphy are still there. Are the Cardinals in as good a shape as any team out there to maybe pull off some sort of big move during the season?
0: Yes. Now, they're not a team that necessarily likes to do that. <laughs> We've seen that. But these kids can't all play here. They, they, some of them are going to make it. Some of them aren't. And the most astute front offices, which the Cardinals are, they will figure out which ones to identify as potential trade pieces, which ones to identify as potential contributors to your team long term. And that's the beauty of the evaluation process. You've got to make those decisions. And sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong.
3: Also in the NL Central, with all due respect to the other teams, the Cardinals probably should not be as pushed as much as teams in the East as West. Does that give them the opportunity to maybe sit back a little bit more where teams in the East or West, they could put themselves in a hole in the first month of the season and really be in trouble?
0: Well, it does, yes. And I'm sure that's entering into their thinking, right? But at the same time, what is the ultimate goal? It's to win a World Series, not to win the National League Central. They've done that enough times. So... The deadline will be the next test. What do they do with the deadline? Because all of these things are going to come back to the fore. All the prospects that are close. All the potential moves that can be made. And it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Last thing for you, John Mozeliak signed a contract extension
3: this past week. It feels like this might be the last one for him. You just kind of read between the lines on some of the things he's saying. Just from a, a national standpoint, from a Cardinal legacy standpoint, where does John Mozeliak
0: stand in terms of baseball executives really in the history of baseball? He is someone who has done a good job for a long time, obviously. Now, I know fans get frustrated and people have their different opinions, but sometimes you have to take a step back and consider the success that he has had during his tenure and that the team has had. It's pretty good. Is it perfect? No. That's baseball. It's never perfect. Name a GM and I'll give you five moves that he wished he hadn't made, right? But, He's been pretty good, and and this franchise has been pretty good. So they are who they are. They're not going to go out there and sign a $200 million player. We haven't seen them do that. But at the same time, they develop great. They make great trades. Goldschmidt and Arnado were great trades, and they've done it their way, and it's been a successful way. It's great to see you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Matt.
3: Ken Rosenthal joining us here on the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals radio network. We found out this past week about the passing of a former Cardinals player and Cardinals broadcaster Tim McCarver. We're going to uh, go back uh, into the archive just a bit and we are going to uh, hear from Tim and one of his appearances with Mike Shannon on Live at Shannon's across the Cardinals uh, radio network. Always really fun to go back and relive some of those conversations. That's what you're going to hear next as the Countdown to Opening Day show continues in just a moment from Jupiter on the Cardinals Radio Network.
2: The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Polly and Mike Claiborne on King Mox.
3: Continuing to broadcast from Jupiter, Florida, the site of Cardinals spring training, Countdown to Opening Day continues here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, my name's Matt Polly. Cardinals Kids Clinics are back in 2023. Registration begins mid-March for boys and girls aged 7 to 13. Cardinals alumni will provide small group instruction on throwing, hitting, fielding, and more. Cardinals Kids Clinics will be an experience your child will never forget. Learn more at cardinals.com clinics. We found out earlier in the week that uh, former Cardinals player and broadcaster Tim McCarver had passed away. McCarver finished out his broadcasting career with the Cardinals. Uh, He uh, had an appearance on uh, Live at Shannon's uh, across the Cardinals radio network, and it was a whole lot of fun. So we wanted to uh, replay some of that right now, and uh, we'll start with our own Mike Claiborne.
4: Bob Gibson, who is a treasure, you know him. I I think you two together probably – are the two best friends or best teammates he's ever had, what's the one thing about Gibson that we don't know? We know he's a competitor, we know he's a tough guy. We know he's a great teammate when it came to protecting his teammates, but what's the one thing about him? Maybe it's the fact that he's funnier than we ever knew him he knew him to be
8: yeah yeah he had he had humor beyond baseball, uh, and he could figure things out. Very well. You never pull the wool over Bob Gibson's eyes. Unless you not you showed up with a snake. I've never had a man <laughs> that was more afraid of snakes than Bob Gibson. And he tells a story about being in a in a bar in Saint Petersburg with Ted Savage and somebody had a, a plate, one of those playful a snakes. Snake, yeah. Yeah, a rubber snake. And he and Ted Savage almost ran all the way back to the outrigger inn where we were standing, which was about four miles away. It's the funniest it's the funniest, but he didn't like snakes still doesn't Mike, what do you remember
5: about him his intelligence, how intelligent he was yeah. on and off the field
4: yeah, he Both. was more than just a baseball guy he was oh, just yeah. more than a pitcher yeah. he, I mean, he, he was very a intelligent guy, off yeah. the field, but
5: on the field too he was very intelligent you know he graduated I, from Creighton that's a that's really, a good school. really good school, <laughs> and 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 take the heavy load that he was taking, and playing basketball.
4: You know, um, when, when you talk about guys like that, good athletes, in Bob Gibson, who were some of the other great athletes that you had a chance to encounter? Because that was an era where you played more than one sport in a lot of cases. Kurt Flood was a Kurt Flood couldn't
8: throw, but that's about the only thing he couldn't do. He was a terrific athlete. Concentrate. I, I, I thought that he could concentrate any situation better than anybody I've ever seen. I think Juan Marichal said that. Said it was the toughest out that he had ever faced. Um, Of course, he had... What did he know? (laughs) Yeah, what did he know? What did Willie Mays know? We still visit with Willie when we're out in uh, um, Oracle Park. He he is uh, magnificent. Best
4: player you ever saw?
8: Willie, to me. uh, He could do everything. Hands
4: down. You
5: know the
8: one thing you couldn't do with Willie is tag him to to get him out at a base. Well, what he
5: would do, he would show the front foot, and then he'd pull it back and kick you with the other foot to try to dislodge And there was
8: nobody who took more pride in his – I remember Ray Sadecki was traded for Orlando Cepeda in 1966. And they were in – I was going out to eat with – uh, with Ray, we were roommates for a long time, became very good friends. He was in my wedding and all that <coughs> and um, uh, Willie was in the bullpen he was he was like had a tweak little injury in his wrist or something like that and something happened with a cardinal runner that was on second base planet Candlestick where he went back head first and um, and Willie just happened to mention Ray he said. If that was me, I wouldn't have gone back hands first. I'll guarantee you that. He took an awful lot of pride in his base running. And it would be interesting to see how many times Willie Mays was called out. Yeah. Did you ever? At a base. Mm. Did, you, did you ever by, see? With a tag. I would say right
5: now, none. Ever. <laughs> did you ever see him leave his feet in the outfield? No. Never no. Never left. No. Had, had maybe, Never dove for a ball? Ever. You know. Maybe he had the greatest balance of anybody ever.
8: It's just, I mean, extraordinary. You, you can't be any better than that.
4: Speaking of base running or grass things, Mike and I were talking about the ghost. Javier. Javier last week <laughs> mm-hmm. and how hard he was to, to get to at second base. You had Boy, a good, good look up. at him. Uh, the Phantom, very, we call him. Yeah, yeah, nobody ever got near him on a double play ball. No, no. Well, in those
8: <laughs> days you went – out of your way yeah, to get to get a, to guy, get a yeah. shortstop
4: or oh, second yeah. baseman. Did they go out of their way to get catchers, too? Because, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that no, was a pretty yeah. risky kidding? position at that point. You'd, oh, yeah.
5: you'd love to see that guy get <laughs> the ball come the same <laughs> oh, time yeah. you did. You would smoke him.
4: Yeah, yeah. it was a little rough on
5: How, the plate.
4: Who, do you recall any of those collisions, anybody who you knew you had to pay attention to? Bob
8: Watson hmm. was one tough slider. Big, Big guy, too. Big guy. Big guy, he wasn't as fast as some of the other guys, uh, so that,
5: that made it even worse because he was getting there at <laughs> the same time the ball was.
8: And Lou Brock, let me tell you, Lou weighed about 145 pounds, maybe. And when he hit you, I mean, he 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 broke the clock. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't just clock you. I mean, he broke the. He clock. He didn't have
4: an ounce of fat on his body. Not I mean, a, he was Not an ounce. So lean and muscular. Yeah. And the thing I always appreciated about him, he didn't use the hand first slide. He'd have no. that pop up slide. So if you were leaning in, you might catch a shoulder to the chin, and that that way, a lot of infielders really refrain from getting near him as far as those tags at the bases. Mm-hmm. I mean,
8: it, it, you talk about going into a base that was uh, whether it was occupied or not. A guy that really went in hard, and we we had a hard, we had a tough ball club. You know, we didn't have guys who laid out, a, you know, of games. Within. There were exceptions. Mention what you think about the Hall of Fame.
5: Now You're in the Hall of Fame.
8: Yeah, I'm in the Hall of Fame, but I'm not, you know, I'm in the broadcaster's wing of the Hall of Fame. I, I do not, I feel it almost uh, sacrilegious to sign an autograph uh, of mine and put HOF behind it because I'm I'm not in, in the Hall of Fame. For, because you were a player, uh, because I was a player. Yeah, yeah right. I feel very sensitive about that, uh, so I don't do it. I'll put Ford Frick, and you know, it was, but I'm very particular about
4: that. Well, what was that like for you in your life when you got that call to be part of the Baseball it was Hall of pretty Fame? Pretty nice. I, you you remember know, the thing, moment? I
8: knew I wasn't going to make it in any other one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if I didn't get in this one, I wasn't going to get in.
4: Well, what was that moment like? Where were you at when it took place? Um, well, I had
8: a pretty good idea from Gergiola, who told me he said uh, most of the guys that I've talked to are going to vote for you in the top ten, and I, I, I thanked him and then thanked the called the other guys and thanked them, and so I had a pretty good idea about. So, what, But believe me, it wasn't anticlimactic.
4: And, and for you to make that transition from player to broadcaster, who, who helped you most make that transition? Because you've worked with a number of people in your career, both as player and also as a broadcaster.
8: I think the original broadcasting crew with the Phillies in 1980, I had no training whatsoever. I mean, there was no training. I'm sure Mike didn't have any either. None of us did. Uh, it was kind of observe. Figure it out, and go for it, and, well, and realize. Baseball it.
5: played a big part too, because you yeah. you learn you learned how to learn.
8: Yeah, mm-hmm. you know that's what that's school well is.
5: Yeah, that, that's what school is all about. You know, but if you pay attention, you don't have to go to school. You just read books or <laughs> or, or, or
8: listen to people. Listen, listen, and, and observe. observe, and put your ego aside. And uh, I, I was among a group of with. Harry Callis, Andy Musser, Richie Ashburn, who's next to Euchre's pretty, you know. <laughs> he, was he was a funny, funny man, <laughs> very and, and
5: very uh, low, key low key and, and, and very dry. different from oh, different yeah. from
8: Euchre in many ways. <laughs> but Chris Wheeler also was uh, uh, to this day one of my closest friends. But I, I learned a lot from those guys, and I learned the technical part of the business. And then I went to New York a couple of years later, and. Work with Ralph Kiner, who referred to me as Ted, Jim, MacArthur, <laughs> McCarthy. <laughs> Which, and I'll leave you with this, if I, if I may. Um, Ralph Kiner and I are doing our uh, work in the booth. And a guy comes in, and we've all had this experience that uh, you want to find out the guy's name, but you don't want to say, you don't want to ask him who he is. So he stands there, and he stands there, and you're shaking your head like a big phony. And so the guy leaves, and I said, darn, I hate when that happens. And now Ralph has called me. He, he, he called me no name. There was no name for me. He, he, I, hello, everybody, I'm Ralph Kiner, along with. And he looked at me, and he finally said, what is your name? And we were live. We weren't taping this. What is your name? So with that in mind... Uh, I said, no, Ralph. He said, you know what I do in situations like that? I just say, there he is. I said, Oh, no, Ralph, that's not going to get it. And, you know, we've all been subjected to that. But, well, the next night, I come in the booth, and I always beat Ralph into the booth, but he had commercials to do that afternoon. And Ralph looked up at me coming down the steps of Old Shea Stadium, and he said, there he is. He had forgotten my name from the night before, <laughs> <laughs> so every time I hear the words, there he, there is. he is. You pay attention. That, 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 that's Ralph Kinder. <laughs>
3: really fun to listen to that a clip from uh, live at shannon's mike claiborne mike shannon talking with uh, tim mccarver who passed away earlier this week we will take a break and when we come back we're going to uh, learn a bit about uh, an event that's going to be going on with the cardinals that's uh, going to be raising money for some really good causes and something you can get involved with we'll explain all that in just a moment as countdown to opening day continues after this here on the cardinals radio network
6: Now, back
2: to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX.
3: From Jupiter, Florida, it's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network alongside Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Pauley. as we continue to indeed Countdown to Opening Day. It's not the same, but spring training opening day. The first Grapefruit League game is going to be coming up on Saturday. The Cardinals will match up against the Nationals, and you will be able to hear that game across the Cardinals Radio Network. I do want to uh, remind you about something going on that's a very, very cool, Cardinals Nation Restaurant hosting Family Night with Fred Bird, Wednesdays from 5 to 9 until the home opener. Kids can eat free, meet Fred Bird, play games and win prizes, reservations, full schedule and more information at cardinalsnation.com. The Cardinals are going to have a very cool event coming up here very, very soon and to talk more about that, we're very happy to welcome on to the program, she is the Director of Community Relations and Cardinals Care, she is Megan Essman. Megan, thanks so much for taking some time with us how are you
6: i'm doing well happy to join today
3: yeah i want to talk to you a little bit about a big event that's going to be coming up on uh, april 22nd it is the uh, cardinals of 5k it's going to be taking place both uh, in person and virtually uh, talk a little bit about uh, this event and how folks can get involved
6: Absolutely. Well, we're really excited to be able to offer this event, as you said, both in-person and virtually. Um, The in-person event is April 22nd at Ballpark Village and Bush Stadium. So it's open to adults and kids. um, So you can walk, you can run, you can jog um, and take part of the event. And the best part of it is that it raises funds for the Cardinals Care Redbird Rookies Youth Baseball and Softball Program and also um, Ozzy Smith's um, relationship with the PGA Reach Gateway Foundation. Um, funds are also going to benefit that because Ozzy's part of the race this year.
3: And uh, th- people get some really cool things. Uh, there's going to be a long sleeve T-shirt. You mentioned Ozzie. Uh, there's going to be a yes. cool medallion. There's also the opportunity to uh, go on to the warning track at Bush Stadium. So I, I know I kind of gave it away, but, I mean, those are, yes. those are really cool things that people can pick up.
6: Absolutely. So you mentioned the cool swag that fans who sign up will get. So we have this really great um, in a baby blue long sleeve um, tee that fans will receive um, along with a medallion um, each year. This is our third year holding the 5K in conjunction with Valley Sports Midwest. And so there's this really cool medallion. um, And this year, Ozzie Smith is featured on it with his number.
3: So Ozzy's going to be there, but also there's uh, another dignitary that's going to be there as well.
6: Yeah, Jackie Joyner Percy is going to join us um, to help kick off the race and cheer fans on. And as you mentioned, the race will also culminate um, with a victory lap um, around the warning track in Bush Stadium. So they finish outside um, right on Clark Street, and then they have the opportunity to come in and walk around the warning track, which will be a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, so what does that, uh, what does the pathway look like? I know it's going to get started uh, close to the uh, Stan Musial statue.
6: Yeah, so it starts with the Stan Musial statue and then it winds its way um, around um, downtown St. Louis. Um, And as I mentioned, it finishes on Clark Street between Ballpark Village and Busch Stadium. So um, fans will get a chance to start and finish um, right um, in in, uh, Busch Stadium, which is fun.
3: For people who do want to do it from a virtual standpoint, what what does that look like, and what do you guys do for those folks to still make sure that they feel like uh, they're involved?
6: Absolutely. So what's cool about the virtual piece is that you can do it anywhere or anytime that works for you, and um, fans that register for that still get the T-shirt, still get the medallion, and they have the opportunity to upload their time um, through our system so that We can record what um, their time was, and they get to take a, you know, feel a big part of helping to raise funds for two fantastic charities.
3: For those who are interested in participating or uh, just want to learn a little bit more information, what's the best way to go about doing that?
6: Absolutely. They can go to cardinals.com slash 5K. Information about the race um, as well as how to register is all listed there
3: cardinals.com slash 5k the uh, web address she is a uh, megan esmond director of uh, community relations and cardinals care megan thank you so much for uh, taking this time really do appreciate it
6: absolutely thank you for having me on
3: that's megan esmond she is the director of community relations and cardinals care again you can get all those details about the uh, 5k event featuring uh, ozzie smith and jackie Joyner kersey We'll take a break, come back, wrap up our number one of the program, Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals Radio Network.
2: The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on King of OX.
3: Continuing to broadcast from Jupiter, Florida, and Cardinals Spring Training, Countdown to Opening Day continues across the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside Mike Claiborne, my name's Matt Pauley. Did you know Cardinals Authentics is the only place that you can get game used and autographed memorabilia directly from the St. Louis Cardinals? Visit cardinalsauthentics.com or visit the store on the first floor of Cardinals Nation inside of Ballpark Village. The official broadcast schedule was released in the last week as uh, Cardinals games are going to be uh, broadcast. Uh, Right here across the Cardinals radio network. There will also be some audio streaming broadcast available at MLB.com, Cardinals.com, the MLB app, and then uh, Bally Sports Midwest. With Chip Carey as the new Cardinals play-by-play man, uh, going to uh, be broadcasting a number of games as well. We'll go through uh, that schedule coming up in the second hour of the show. But you can know that this Saturday when the Cardinals open up Great Fruit League play against the Nationals, we will, we'll have that for you here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Probably the biggest bit of news so far in spring training outside of the extension that was given to uh, President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak, that we talked a lot about on last week's show, was the revelation by Cardinals manager Oliver Marmol that uh, Tyler O'Neill's in the mix to be the Cardinals' starting center fielder. We had seen him out in center field, thought it was more connected, the fact that he's going to be playing center field in the World Baseball Classic for Team Canada. But uh, Marmel made it uh, very clear that O'Neill indeed is in the mix.
9: Competing for a center field job. Um, He came into camp wanting that. He came up through our minor league system and actually profiled as a pretty good center fielder. Um, So... He's uh, is something that he wants and he's going to compete for, and he's going to have an opportunity to do. Marmol went on to say
3: that he's expecting uh, O'Neill really to push for that spot. It'll be a really good
9: competition when you look at the way Tyler plays center field and the reports we have on him in Triple Like he's got a real shot, and it's going to be up to him as far as um, the attention, attention to detail to getting the right jumps in direction and first step and just his overall routes. When
3: you look at the Cardinals' outfield uh, alignment outfield group overall. There's a lot of competition. If the season were to begin tomorrow, you would see Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, and and Lars Newbar out there. But Juan Yepes and Alec Burleson are pushing for spots. Prospect Jordan Walker going to be pushing for a spot as well. So there's a lot of competition. And Marmel did say that all of those positions are up for grabs.
9: When you say front runners, let's just put the names out there. I think Carlson, Tyler, and Newt-Barr. um other guys that you're mentioning as front runners, but we have some other guys in there that are competing for those jobs and they came into camp ready. So I'm looking forward to how that all plays out, but I'm comfortable with saying there's three guys that are front runners and we're going to give those guys an opportunity to what a job. Again, that
3: first Grapefruit League game is going to be coming up on Saturday. We've got hour two of the program coming up. We've got a really cool hour coming up as uh, we are going to hear from uh, Ozzie Smith and Nolan Arnato. The two had never met, and they sat down together and had a conversation facilitated by Mike Claiborne. You're going to hear a snippet of that coming up in uh, just a, a few moments. Also, we'll hear from uh, Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel as Claibs uh, and myself got the opportunity to uh, sit down and talk with him. So we've got a lot coming up in hour number two. You don't want to uh, miss any of it. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Matt on air. We are in Jupiter, Florida. This is is countdown to opening day and we're back with the second hour in just a moment on the cardinals radio network
2: now back to the countdown to opening day show presented by amron on kmox
3: we are back it's countdown to opening day on the cardinals radio network that's mike claiborne i'm Matt Foley. A lot coming up this hour. We'll hear from Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel. We've also got our weekly snapshot segment coming up in uh, just a bit. Also want to remind you that if you're looking for a truly unique event space, Cardinals special events can help to create memorable corporate and personal events in both Bush Stadium and Cardinals Nation Restaurant. For more information on options for an experience your guests won't stop talking about, visit cardinals.com slash events. Claves was part of something really cool earlier in the week when uh, Ozzie Smith was here uh, at spring training. He had never met Nolan Arnato, and the three of them uh, sat down and just had a conversation. We're going to listen in on some of it as Claves uh, asked Nolan Arnato if there's a, a specific defensive play that he made uh, that really sticks out for him.
10: Probably the one, the diving down the third baseline, throw from the knees home, um, and Yachty uh, made the great tag. Or I don't know if it was Kiz. I think it was Kiz actually uh, made a great tag. That was my, one of my favorite ones. Um, and a lot of them, honestly, a lot of my favorite plays are like double plays, you know, like big double plays that you didn't expect we, us to, to turn, that we end up turning, you know, stuff like that. That's really important. And it, it helps the team the most is make turning those double plays that, you know, they think they get a hit through, but you make a diving play and you make a backhand or something, you know. Two outs is better than one, so anything has to do with double play.
7: That's right. It's always keeping yourself in a position to keeping double play in order.
10: Yeah, that's
7: very, very important, especially for a staff.
10: Yeah.
7: I was thinking of the game in Tampa yeah,
4: when yeah. You, charge, you charge the ball, pivot it, and threw back to third base. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the things I learned about both you guys, the guys who you play with always need to be alert. Yeah. If you're standing near a base, you better be ready to defend it because the ball might be coming to you when you wouldn't think it would. Yeah. And that's something I'm sure how, – how big is communication? Or do guys play long enough with
10: you guys to know – I better be ready because this guy can get it to me any way he can. For sure. I mean, I think in 21, my first year here, I think I tried to make some throws that sometimes like Pauly didn't expect me to make and the guy would beat it out. And that's not on Pauly. That's probably just more that we didn't communicate before that. Hey, that I'm going to try. I'm I'm not afraid to try these different things. You know, I'm always going for the lead out. You know, I'm going to do everything I can to get that lead out. If we don't turn the double play, that's fine. But as long as that man's not on second base, that's all that matters to me from a defensive standpoint. Um, Because if the guy gets a base hit, like it feels good knowing that all right that guy's not scoring now it's first and second instead of you know an rbi um but it's always for me it's always getting the lead out and i want to get there as quick as possible um and then let the shortstop and second baseman do the rest but there's now that we go, you know the great thing about our team and i'm guessing when you were playing we have a great defensive team i think we have the best defensive team in baseball it's not even close and so these guys expect the ball and they want the ball and that's always good to have They always say,
4: you show me a good infield, and I'll show you a good first baseman as well. You guys have played with two incredible first basemen in your careers. And watching what you and Paul Goldschmidt have
7: working – Watching what you and Keith Hernandez had working, and some other guys you play with, that that's really ma- what makes it fun. When you have a guy over there that you have confidence in at knowing when to come off the bag, when to stay on the bag, or have an idea of what you know how you you know what your throw is going to do, it makes life a, a lot easier for everybody, you know, because there's no hesitation in getting rid of the ball. And and playing on turf, you know, we had it was everything was sped up, everything was fast, you know, so you didn't have a whole lot of time to to think about it and. Playing with Keith Hernandez, I think the greatest thing, the pressure that he took off of everybody, especially pitching, he could play from first base to the, to the third base line, which takes the pitcher out of the, the play completely. Yeah. And when you can take the pitcher out of the play, now you're just operating with, with, with uh, your third baseman and your catcher. It's easy.
10: Yeah, I mean, and for me with Goldie, um, you know, it, it's he said he's a big target. Not only is he a big target, you know, like you said, you get, you get rid of it quick, and sometimes when you get rid of it quick, you can't, you know, you don't get enough on it. Sometimes it's a short hop or whatever, but you just know that if you get in, in that vicinity where he's at, he's going to make a play on it. It's just a lot of confidence, and it just makes you, for us, more willing to try different things because we know that we have somebody over there that can pick us up. All right, you're sitting next to a Hall of Famer. Pick his brain. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess one thing I would ask. Um, <clears throat> now that I'm getting older, and uh, I thought like, you know, did you used to cut back on ground balls, or you, were, as you got older, were you always taking a bunch of ground balls? I always take, I, I, I loved it,
7: yeah. you know, it was, um, it was, uh, it was really relaxing for me sometimes to be able to come out and take ground balls, so it was one of the things that as a kid growing up, I loved playing, sitting around and throwing the ball against the wall, playing with, playing by myself, you yeah. know, and, and so that was always a part of what I did. I took ground balls because I never wanted to be surprised by anything that happened yeah. on the field. And when I was playing on turf, I always wanted to know where the bad hops were, yeah. so that I could anticipate that ball taking a hop. So yeah. I took ground balls every day. I tried to take at least 100 ground balls every day, and yeah. um, it's, it's what made me feel that I was ready to go out there and play. Yeah.
10: Wow. You hear that, man? I can't mm-hmm. stop taking ground balls. <laughs> he's, not taking, he's not stopping. You, you then. I can't stop. Yeah. 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 I got to keep going. I'm I'm going. going.
7: I got
4: to keep going. about you, I know you want to ask this guy something.
7: Well, you know, the biggest question I think was that what what he was thinking. You know, uh, because that was the question that's always posed to me. And a lot of times, I just, I just said, hey, you know, I don't, I don't even know if I was thinking as much as I was operating in my subconscious mind yeah. just from an instinctual standpoint. And, and, and I was good at that because I had taken so many ground balls. You know, I had taken pride in, 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 in the, the time that I spent out there on the field, fielding ground balls and stuff. And so it was, it, it, I'm not going to say it was easy because it's never easy. It, it's never easy, but um, it was, it, it, it made me comfortable in, in, in my being. Knowing that I had prepared myself, I was prepared. I was never not prepared for whatever came that particular day. Yeah,
10: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think like we talked about, it's like you 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 work on it, you do it, and when you make an error, you know, I would never blame the field, right? I would always blame myself. Like I I didn't, you know, know, I didn't didn't look at your glove. Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. no, I try not to be that guy that looks at my glove like, what the heck just happened? You know, I try to take ownership. Hey, I didn't move my feet right. You know, I didn't get on top of the throw. I didn't follow the throw. I threw like this. You know, those are things. That I feel like when I make errors, I think it's, you know, I always know it's my fault. You know, I always put it on me because, like you said, we prepare. I'm prepared for a lot of these hops, these plays that I believe I should be making. So when I don't, you know, I always say, you know, I got to take ownership. Like I was ready or I I got lazy, or lazy feet. You know, sometimes you get caught off guard or, you know, it's just constantly like trying to remind yourself to stay ready.
3: There's a lot more between Ozzie Smith, Nolan Arenado, and Mike Claiborne. You can get it uh, on Claves' site, Claves Online. Also, uh, the Cardinals have the whole video posted uh, on their YouTube, so uh, no matter where you go, you can probably find it, and it is worth sitting down and uh, watching or listening to the whole thing. When we come back, we'll be joined by Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel. This is the Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network.
2: The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauly and Mike Claiborne on KMOX.
3: We are back. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals radio network along with Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Pauly theme tickets are on sale now and feature returning favorites like Star Wars, Grateful Dead, Friends Night, and more. New for 2023, don't miss Harry Potter, Yellowstone, and Emo Night. For details and a full list of dates, visit cardinals.com theme. Klaibs and I recently sat down with Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel. The uh, first question I had for him was just kind of a general question. How he felt about things here uh, two or so weeks into spring training.
11: It's been really good. Um, you have a very dedicated group, a group that got here a lot earlier than uh, the first day, official day of spring training. They've been going at it pretty hard, and uh, it's just fun to see these guys this excited to get back together as a club uh, to work together, but uh, it's um, it's definitely
4: exciting. You mentioned early, early in the game that you, you like competition, and I think we have it not only in the pitching department, but it's apparent that the center field position is open for competition as well. Um, What's been the feedback so far, other than the guys having to go out and produce? Yeah, I mean, I think we've,
11: we preach competition every year. Uh, at the end of the day, this is a camp that's going to allow for a lot of opportunity based on guys going to WBC. and um, So there's competition in a lot of different areas. You mentioned on the pitching side, um, on the lefties, which lefties do we take with us, who's going to play center, who's going to play the corner outfield. Uh, there, there's a lot of moving parts, and um, the reality is these guys are built for it. They're showing up every day. They know what's at stake, and it'll be fun to watch
3: throughout the course of spring training. The other day you talked about... Winning a World Series isn't about saying you want to win World Series. It's about putting together the processes to make that happen. How much do you enjoy that challenge, kind of the process of putting the process together, if that makes sense? That's what you wake up for every morning. It really is.
11: I mean, it's one thing to talk about winning it it's another thing to be super detailed and intentional with every day of spring training leading into the season with conversations that you're going to have with players um who's going to have the conversation how to deliver it, what the end goal is how do you want them to experience that conversation once they walk out of your office um which buttons to push from uh just tugging at people's emotions and overall competitive nature so that part of it is uh is what wakes you up every morning
4: and for you um you're a great planner you love the organization element but this spring training is a little different you mentioned wbc the rule implementation that's going to come about how much has that changed in how you coach and teach the game not just for you to play it but to you and your staff
11: yeah there's a there's a process to that where you talk through all the rules how they are going to impact the game or at least how we foresee it impacting the game any strategy around some of the new rules and our thoughts around it you shoot holes in it and you uh end up bringing it into the clubhouse and walking the players through it and uh, making sure that there's clarity and everything that will be implemented this year so they're not confused once games start. But there will be a a little bit of a learning curve to all of it.
4: You know, I'm of the belief two things. One, it's great to go back to the refresher course of teaching the basics of baseball. And two, if anybody thinks this is going to be solved by opening day, they're sadly mistaken. I I really feel like we won't really see this thing fall into place until maybe early June. Um, I I think if
11: you look back to the minor leagues and and you see how they implemented it and how quickly it took for players to um, lower the amount of violations per game, um, it it was a several-week process. uh, And there's a reason they're starting it from game one here because hopefully by the time we get out of here, we can solve a lot of the the inconsistencies and the violations and the things that will take place. So um, our hope is that it takes a week or two and guys get comfortable with it at the end of the day pitchers be faster hitters stay in the box like let's really simplify it's not that difficult Ben
4: Johnson told me just tow it and throw it
11: (laughs) yeah and and there's certain rules with the um, disengagement rules of pickoffs there's certain strategies around that with runners and first and third there's different things you can do there but um, at the end of the day I think it'll take a week or two for these guys to feel comfortable with what's going on
3: The full squad had their first official workout earlier in the week, but they were all here. You said the other day, it's not about showing up early just to be seen, but it's showing up early and being intentional in that work. Can you speak to just your group and that intentionality that existed even before the first full squad workout? Uh, Absolutely. These guys are,
11: I mean, they want to be known as smart and relentless as a club. And if you look at the way they're going about their work, it's definitely smart. Um, There's high baseball IQ throughout that clubhouse. And they didn't get here early just to show face and say, hey, we're working at it. Like They're truly invested in one another and, and making sure that we hit our goals this year. Um, so this is a, a very dedicated group. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun watching them over the next several weeks.
4: Can't wait for sure. All right, let's talk about Ali Marmo, the the husband, the father. You have your family down here, and and I know that's important to you. How do you try and make sure guys have that family time and also be able to stay focused on what they're here for? Because this is the only time and really the last time we're all going to be together in this sort of environment before the game start. Yeah, there's a good balance to it.
11: When stuff at home is going well, you usually perform okay. And uh, at the end of the day, these guys need to understand that the organization uh, is welcoming to families. Um, there's plenty of time throughout the day to focus on our jobs. And once the day's over, seeing the kids running around and running the bases and playing is part of it. That I, I love that part of it. Um, but uh, spring training is a time where the, the stakes aren't as high as far as when losses go. Um, and these guys get to enjoy having their families around once the, once the day's over
4: final question for me um it may be a little early for you to give me an idea or give our listeners an idea of somebody who's caught your eye already so i'll ask that question and who are you if you don't have an answer to that who are you looking forward to seeing more of um i was really interested to see uh
11: tank hence um got to see a live bp from him today that went really well um He's, uh, he carries himself well, especially for his age. is uh, another guy that I really wanted to be able to lay eyes on, who I haven't seen on a consistent basis. Obviously, your, your Jordan Walkers of the world are are, are talked about. <laughs> anybody, you ever seen anybody with hands that big?
7: <laughs>
11: so, uh, that, that's fun to watch, um, but I, I was really interested to see how Gorman came back from this off season, understanding some of the things that he needed to work on and how he was going to address those. So, yeah, those are the, the ones that come to mind.
3: Is it rewarding for you when guys come back the next year looking different in a good way than who you last saw?
11: Yeah, it just shows their level of commitment. You come back looking the same. Uh, those guys don't last a whole uh, lot of time in this clubhouse. So uh, these guys are continuously looking for ways to improve, and we, we have a group that showed that this offseason as well. Ali, thank
3: you so much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel joining us here on Countdown to Opening Day. We've got our snapshot segment on the way next where we look back at a a significant moment from the 2022 season. We uh, have a few Albert Pulos home runs to get to uh, before we're all done doing our snapshots for the offseason. We might just have one of them coming up after this. It's the Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show does continue here on the Cardinals Radio Network as we continue to broadcast from Jupiter, Florida, home of Cardinals Spring Training. It is once again time for our weekly snapshot. We look back at the 2022 campaign, a specific game, a specific moment, something that happened of note. As we know, a lot of things happened in 2022, and this is a fun opportunity to be able to revisit. On this week's Snapshot, we're going to go back to September 11th as the Cardinals were matched up against the Pittsburgh Pirates. This was a good one. It would be scoreless going into the third inning. That's when O'Neill Cruz would have an RBI fielder's choice that would uh, score Greg Allen, and the Pirates would take a 1-0 lead against Cardinals starter Jose Quintana. Uh, Jose Catana, though, was really good. That would be the only blemish for him on the day. He would pitch into the sixth inning. In the sixth, he would get Brian Reynolds to a uh, ground out. The next batter he would face, Rodolfo Castro.
1: The Cardinals Gardner has gone into the sixth inning. The pitch a swing and a miss. Picked out of the dirt by Yachty. Throws to first to Albert Pujols, a strikeout 2 3 as Castro went for the off speed pitch.
3: That would end up being the final out recorded by Quintana as he would then give up a base hit to Brian Hayes and that would end his day. Jordan Hicks would come on and uh, he would get the final out and it remained a one nothing game. As far as Quintana goes, he ends up going five and two thirds innings allowing just one run on four hits, four strikeouts, one walk, another very good performance from Quintana. We saw a lot of those after he became a Cardinal. However, In the seventh inning, the Pirates would actually add to their lead. It was Jack Sawinski leading off the inning.
4: One big loud noise. 3-2 pitch is hit high in the air to right field. And backing up is bar, He looks up and he jumps. And it's over the wall. A home run by Sawinski over the 375-foot sign. And Sawinski hits his 16th of the year. And the Pirates lead 2-0.
3: So the Cardinals would find themselves down by a 2-0 score as the game would move along to the 8th inning. The Cardinals would not score in the 8th, but they would have a cool moment. It uh, came when there was two outs, and Alec Burleson was at the plate.
1: One ball, one strike. They plan to pull infield and outfield. The pitch, Burleson swings, and there's his first Major League hit. A line drive single up the middle.
3: First career Major League hit for Alec Burleson, but Brendan Donovan would ground out, and it is an 8 nothing game going into the bottom of the eighth inning. That's when things kind of start to pick up just a bit. JoJo Romero comes on to pitch uh, for the Cardinals. He would get one out and would end up being replaced by Chris Stratton uh, after he had uh, issued a walk and also uh, given up a base hit. So a couple were on. Stratton is pitching for the Cardinals against his... Is a former team, and the first batter he faces off against is Key brian Hayes. A
1: look to second by Stratton. The pitch. There's a line drive into right center field, and it is caught by Newtbar. He throws back to second, not in time to double up Reynolds, but that saved a run. Newtbar with a diving play in front of Tanner O'Neill.
3: So a great play made by Lars Newtbar in the outfield that saves a run. The next hitter is Michael Chavis.
1: The pitch, a swing, and a line drive right field. Newtbar moving back. He puts up the glove, and Newtbar makes another great catch. How about that? Newtbar saved runs here in the eighth inning. He saved at least two runs.
3: Back to back, really good defensive plays by Lars Newtbar, and it keeps it a 2 0 game. And that's what the score would be going to the ninth inning. The Cardinals had not done much offensively all day long, they hadn't scored any runs. But that would change, and that would change in a big way in the top of the ninth inning in Pittsburgh. The new pitcher uh, comes on is Chase DeYoung. First battery faces, Tommy Edmond. He doubles. The next hitter is Corey Dickerson.
1: The right-hander is ready. He'll look to second. The pitch. Dickerson swings, lines it down the right field line. That ball is fair, going to the wall. Tommy Edmond scores. Dickerson is the tying run at second with nobody out. Two-to-one
3: Pirates. So Dickerson gets the Cardinals on the board, but they're still trailing by a 2-1 score. Not for long. A little bit of history set to be made. And the uh, deficit about to be flipped as the next hitter is Albert Pujols.
1: The 2-0 pitch here for Albert Pujols. The De young deals. Pujols swings and lifts a high fly ball. That's it deep. Center field. It might go. It's a gunner. It's a gunner for Pujols. He gives the Cardinals the lead in the ninth inning with home run 697 all alone in fourth place in Major League Baseball history.
3: Home run number 697 for Albert Pujols. That was a big one for him when he talked about the uh, milestones that he was really looking for. That one allowed him to pass Alex Rodriguez. He moves into fourth most all-time for home runs in the history of Major League Baseball. And as he did so often, those home runs that he was hitting this past year, they came in big moments, as uh, that certainly was a big moment with the Cardinals down when Pujols came to the plate. They were not done later in the inning. It's Tyler O'Neill standing in.
1: The Cardinals lead 3-2 in the top of the ninth. There's a swing and a high fly ball to center field. Reynolds moving back. He's at the wall. It's a gunner! It's up on the batter's eye! Tyler O'Neill with his 14th home run of the year gives the Cardinals a two-run lead, 4-2. to
3: So the Cardinals score four runs in the ninth inning. They go from being down 2 nothing to being up 4-2, but this game was not over as the Pirates bat in the bottom of the ninth inning. The new pitcher is Ryan Helsley. He gets Jack Sawinski to pop out and Kevin Newman to strike out, so very quickly two outs in the inning, but then that brings up Greg Allen.
1: Three on the right side of the infield for the Cardinals. There's a swing and a long drive to right field. That ball is going to go for a home run. And it's a one-run game as Greg Allen hits his second home run of the year.
3: All of a sudden, a one-run game once again on the Greg Allen home run on a 2-0 pitch, still two outs, and it brings up Ben Gamble.
1: Four-three Redbirds. The hits are even at seven. Three infielders on the right side. Elsley working out of the high set, the pitch. Gamble swings, hits a fly ball, center field. Right there is Ben Deluzio to put the squeeze on it for a Redbird winner. The Cardinals scored four times in the top of the ninth, coming back to steal this one, 4-3 over the Pirates, and take two out of three in Pittsburgh.
3: So the Cardinals do come away with the victory against the Pirates. Final score ends up being 4-3 after the game. Everybody talking about Albert Pujols. That includes Tommy Edmond, who spoke with Bally Sports Midwest.
0: Yeah, it's incredible what he's been doing. Um, Just very, very impressive
11: and um, and huge moments, too, which is a... Really, really cool to see that, just, I mean, just staying locked in and um, doing a good job of uh, helping us out when, when we need it the most. Ollie was talking about
1: it, it's hard to do the job because sometimes you're caught being a fan at times. Yeah, definitely. But
11: at least he is about yourself. Yeah, we're witnessing history here, so, I mean, it's cool to be his teammate, but you're also kind of a fan as well, just marveling at everything that he does. And
3: that is this week's Snapshot, the game where the Cardinals come back from a 2 nothing deficit in the ninth in the game where Albert Pujols hits home run number 697. We'll take a break. We have much more coming up. We are in Jupiter, Florida. This is the Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. It's the countdown opening day show on the Cardinals radio network along with Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Pauly. We are getting set for the first grapefruit league game of the year. That's going to be coming up on Saturday when the Cardinals take on the Washington nationals. You'll hear that across the Cardinals radio network. In fact, uh, the Cardinals in conjunction with the Cardinals radio network and uh, also uh, Bally sports Midwest did officially announce the broadcast schedule for uh, the, for, All of spring training and of the 30 spring training games that the Cardinals are going to be playing in, 29 of them are going to be uh, broadcast either on Bally Sports Midwest across the Cardinals uh, radio network or streaming via the MLB app and also Cardinals.com. So I wanted to go over that with you uh, just a little bit. As far as the games that you'll hear on the Cardinals radio network, there's going to be uh, a total of 15 broadcasts that are going to be available for you with uh, the voice of the Cardinals, John Rooney, being joined by Ricky Horton and also uh, Mike Claiborne. And you're going to be able to hear the first three games uh, right there on uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And uh, so, yeah, that's going to be a great opportunity for you to be able to uh, listen to games. If they're not on the radio, but we do have these streaming broadcasts for you, uh, it'll be uh, myself with Clabes or Tom Ackerman with Klabes, uh doing those broadcasts, and uh, those are going to be available at uh, Cardinals.com and also on the MLB app. And it's going to be a lot of fun because we're going to uh, hear the debut of Chip Carey as the new TV play-by-play voice for uh, the Cardinals doing the games on uh, Bally Sports Midwest. And a good number of games are going to be on Bally Sports Midwest, including the opener on Saturday against the Washington Nationals. There's also going to be some uh, national broadcast during uh, spring training as well. The first national ESPN game is going to be coming up on Monday when they match up against the Mets. In fact, Buster only from ESPN was uh, in Jupiter earlier this week taking a look at the Cardinals. We also know a little bit about uh, how the pitching is going to be set up for the first few games of the year. Adam Wainwright, he is going to start that first game on Saturday. Then Miles Michaelis is going to go in at game two on Sunday. And then that third game of the season against the uh, Mets coming up on Monday, it's going to be Connor Thomas, actually, who's going to start that game uh, against the Mets. It had looked like just, you know, you can see the work that uh, pitchers are doing uh, during during spring training and start to figure out when we might see them. We thought we might see uh, Jack Flaherty uh, pitch that third third game, what the Cardinals are actually going to be doing a little bit of is when it is uh, days where pitchers need to pitch, especially from a starter standpoint. Uh, Some pitchers may go pitch in actual Grapefruit League games, and then other pitchers might be sent uh, to the backfields. And whether it's a live BP session or a simulated game or some sort of uh, scrimmage or exhibition or what it might be, uh, they're going to figure out a way to do that. So uh, just because somebody is not uh, participating in a Grapefruit League game one day doesn't mean that they're not uh, getting work in but uh, you can get all the details uh, on the broadcast schedule it is available for you at cardinals.com but 29 of the 30 spring training games will be either across the cardinals radio network at cardinals.com or uh broadcasting on Bally Sports Midwest so you're going to get many many opportunities to see, to hear, to listen, to watch the Cardinals uh, during the duration of a Grapefruit League play. We are going to take uh, one more break, and when we come back, we'll uh, return for our final segment. Mike Claiborne will rejoin me. have a few more things I want to get to him. want to kind of revisit uh, that Nolan Arnauto-Ozzie Smith conversation. also want to talk a little bit about the passing of uh, Tim McCarver as, as uh, Claybs and uh, McCarver knew each other uh, quite well. So uh, we'll have that coming up in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. It's the Countdown to Opening Day. Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network.
2: Now, back to the countdown to opening day show, presented by Amron on KMOX.
3: Countdown to opening day continues here on the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Holly Clayb's wanted to get into this. Tim McCarver passed away this past week. Deep Cardinal ties as a player. He finished his career as a broadcaster. I wasn't around to to know Tim, so my experience with him is watching him on TV and growing up watching the World Series and watching him do those games. But my goodness, everybody around St. Louis, you don't hear a bad word about Tim McCarver.
4: No, you you really don't. And I was blessed to watch him as a player. Uh, Fortunate to know him as a friend. Uh, He and Bob Gibson were very close, along with Mike Shannon, and they kind of dragged me into that. And uh, then you get a chance to work around him in the business, and we travel together. You know, he was doing TV; I'm on the radio side. Uh, not a kinder person, not a more well-read person. Uh, we would have some great trivia discussions about things that meant nothing to anyone, but for some reason, we would know these these things. And when we didn't know it, we remind each other and we tell, "Hey, here's something I just learned." Uh, one of my favorite pictures I have on my phone. Jose Feliciano sang the National Anthem in 1968, and it was very controversial in how he sang it. And uh, when we played the Tigers uh, a couple years ago in Detroit, Jose Feliciano was there. And Tim McCarver had not really seen Jose Feliciano since 1968. And uh, the picture that they have together, and they were telling stories. Uh, again, he was a, just a really sharp guy, uh, very helpful. And in my opinion the most prepared broadcaster I've ever been around when it came to the games and and knowing not just numbers, but situations and this and that. And, you know, he had no problem rolling up the sleeves talking to people. He was never ill prepared. And I think that goes back to his catching days of being prepared as a catcher and catching Gibson and Carlton and some other great pitchers over the course of his career. Uh, But man, I I will miss him. Uh, And it was ironic. I reached out to him maybe about two months ago three months ago and we just kind of shot the breeze uh to me i thought he was never the same after bob gibson passed Uh, they were very close and then COVID set in and it just you know things just started to spiral but uh, i appreciate everything he's meant to me and certainly cardinal nation and he will be missed
3: we ran earlier on the show a snippet from one of the live at shannon shows when he was there I think this is really important for baseball. One of the things I appreciate about that show and to a certain extent what you guys now do with the Friday night show now, this, these tapes, this audio, these conversations, this is history. This is something that needs to be recorded. I'm so glad that the Cardinals have these type of things.
4: Yeah, it's gold. Uh, one of the things about my career that I, I am truly proud of and fortunate to be part of it was that show with Mike Shannon because of all the great people that would come over. And for days like today, where we can go back into time and hear those people. I always remember Tim saying, remind people, man, this is big leagues. And he would just basically say, this is a certain way you conduct yourself. And once I figured it out, I I thought I was in that swim lane anyway, and I was. But he would see things from other people and just, man, you got to let him know this is big leagues. You know, and he had that Southern Memphis draw, that twang, I used to call it. But, uh, yeah, that show is truly a gold standard about what Cardinal history is all about. And we continue to do that with different guests with the show we do now at the Bullock at the uh, Live from Lowe's at the hotel on Friday nights. And uh, it's something I'm really proud of. And it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Mike Shannon. Uh, Mike was the life of the show and for so many different reasons. And, man, for me to be part of that because remember, this thing started in the 80s, yeah. and then we brought it back in the 2000s, and uh, the, the names and people we've had a chance to talk to is something that I can guarantee you nobody in America would ever have a show like that, period.
3: Kind of in the same area. This past week, you did something for for your website, Claves Online, where you sat down with Nolan Arnato and Ozzie Smith. And we can make the argument that Ozzie Smith is the greatest defensive shortstop of all time. We can make the argument that Nolan Arnato is the greatest defensive third baseman of all time. And you got these two guys sitting down together and talking shop.
4: That's another one of those conversations that can live on forever. It was really cool. Oh, well, thank you for the compliment. And um, listen, I was just the guy who just got them on the bus and I let them talk. And it was fun. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, you can go to clavesonline.com on the YouTube page, and uh, you'll see the most of the interview with those two. And it's just, just two guys sitting down talking. And uh, the response we've received so far has been incredible. And I just found it c- kind of odd that these two never met. And so Ozzy made a great point. He said, well, you know, during COVID, you know, I didn't go in the clubhouse. And when COVID kind of subsided, when he would be on the field throwing out a first pitch, You know, Nolan was warming up, getting loose for the game, so they really didn't have a chance to cross pass that much. But Ozzy did, and they made a promise to each other they were going to spend more time together on and off the field. And just to hear those guys after we finished talking about things about the game was fascinating, man. It almost made me want to pick up a glove. And then I realized the glove, I couldn't catch one because the glove would run away from me. I I love moments
3: like that where, I mean, with, with what I do, and it's to a lesser extent than you. There are those moments where you're just among greatness and you learn to shut up and, and listen. That's what I do when I'm in those kind of spots. And it's always cool. And, and baseball lends itself to that more than any other sport.
4: You're right, Matt. And, and one of the things I've learned in, in doing this for the years I've done it, less is better for me. Um, I, I just turn them loose. I may roll a question off from time to time, but I think it's important for people to hear the guest than to hear me. And uh, I think what I've tried to instill on younger people: be a good listener, man. And if you be a, if you're a better listener, you'll be a great talker. Because if you pay attention to what's going on around you, you will find something that your guests will say that will make you come back to them and let them expound on it even more. And now you got you something special.
3: A couple of baseball things before we get out of here: first spring training game Saturday. Uh, it'll be across the Cardinal Radio Network. Right now, as we record this on a Wednesday pitchers are doing the ups and downs so the starting pitchers are going out live BP throwing sitting down coming back out so we'll see some starters be able to go multi-innings from right at the beginning
4: yeah I think you'll see guys at the beginning probably go two innings maybe 50 pitches somewhere in that vicinity you know everything is so well documented now with regard to what a person can do that uh, they want to be very cautious and stretch guys out personally speaking I think they should stretch them out more because these guys are already in shape when they come to camp. Uh, And it's changed a little bit because there was a time when the only thing you could throw was fastballs and change-ups. Now guys come in here throwing sliders and cutters and things that you, you wouldn't even fathom in the first week of spring training. So with that said, if guys are further along, then why not stretch them out? Why not stretch them out so they don't have a tired arm later in the year? They've already had it. So... You know, again, I'm not a pitching coach, never been one, not even played one on TV. But I just think that the way we look at the game now and how structured things are, I I don't think it's bad to let a guy go a little longer than what they've been accustomed to.
3: Well, I think to back that up, in season, if a guy's coming off the injured list and they're on a pitch count of 50, they're back at 85 to 100 within three starts. Yet, in spring training, going from 50 to 100 takes a month.
4: Yeah, I don't get that. Uh, And again... I can understand when you say, well, it's the beginning of spring training. Yeah, but these guys have been throwing. They didn't just start throwing when they got here. And you and I have talked about how long we've seen guys here. I've been here since mid-January, and just about every pitcher on the staff was already here or was arriving, so they've already been throwing. And I've always wondered about this. Does your brain and your shoulder know what pitch really counts? Your brain may know, but your shoulder and your arm doesn't know. You're still throwing. It's just like – warm-up tosses. Now, you may not put as much emphasis on it, but the same motion takes place when you throw a pitch. So your shoulder and your arm doesn't know whether this is a 3-2 a count with the bases loaded. They just say, hey, I'm going through a motion. So I, I think sometimes we overthink the whole pitching issue. But again, not having been a pitcher, never coached in the big leagues, but watched enough bad pitching, I think I kind of have a clue on what's going on. That's Mike
3: Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for being tuned in. Again, the Cardinals open up great for league play on Saturday against the Nationals across the Cardinals radio network. This has been the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals radio network.